0: Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Ask the Therapist. It's lovely to have you here. Well, this is my first ever solo episode. What has taken me so long? Well, one of the reasons is that it's really hard to talk to just a microphone. So you might need to bear with me as I trip over my words and all sorts. As I record this, it's the end of July 2020. Lockdown is easing and there's generally a lot of feeling of uncertainty around. I think we knew where we were when we were in lockdown but now the rules are complicated, there's lots of fears of spikes in the coronavirus, it's just confusing and scary and I think we're all becoming more aware of the economic crash that is possibly looming. 2020 really has been quite the year and in a couple of months although I really hate saying this word too soon but we'll be looking towards Christmas won't we and I'm already starting to think what will that look like? Can you imagine New Year's Eve how different our resolutions are going to be? We never could have guessed what has happened in 2020. I've got lots of ideas for solo episodes going forward. I'm planning on doing some episodes around the different types of therapies that I'm trained in, which is obviously... Mainly I do CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, but I'm also trained in EMDR, Eye Movement Desensitisation Reprocessing and Compassion Focus Therapy, sometimes called CFT. If you have any other ideas of what you'd like me to do episodes on, I'd love to hear from you, so do drop me a line. However, recently I've been interested in what people don't say in therapy. And this came about, this idea, the first time I'd heard about it was when I was on some training a while back when we could do face-to-face training with my clinical supervisor who is Dr. Mary Welford. On a side note, um, Mary Welford is author of The Compassionate Mind Approach to Building Self-Confidence. It's a book that I just think everybody should read. It's a a really lovely standard book for kind of improving how we feel about ourselves and understanding why being self compassionate is is so important. So I meet with Mary and we talk on the phone about every four to six weeks and she helps me with my clinical practice. So I kind of might talk through with her clinical problems that I'm having or we discuss lots of different things and sometimes I discuss where I'm at in my life and she helps me with that. But her main role as a clinical supervisor is to help me with my clinical work, help me make sure that I'm providing the right level of therapy to my clients and helps me overcome clinical issues or problems, or questions that I have, so we meet quite regularly. And in the training, she said that most people that come to therapy don't say what they need to be saying, and she highlighted that there's quite a lot of research in this area that kind of puts forward that people go to therapy thinking they're going to talk about one topic. Pick, and they never get to it they never end up talking about it and this is for many reasons that we're going to go into so most people don't tell their therapist the very thing that's brought them to therapy the deep dark thing that troubles them and that causes psychological pain and ultimately makes people feel discontented we want contentment we want to be fit, feel settled we want to be happy with where we are in our lives and if we, we're not this is often what takes us to therapy what we are not saying in the therapy room feels like an important conversation we need to have and it could be helpful for anyone considering therapy that is in therapy now that might not be saying what they need to be and for therapists we need to keep this on our radar and make sure that we can support people in saying what they need to be saying in the therapy room and at the moment in our online therapy rooms to make sure that people get the most out of therapy sessions. People come to therapy for many reasons but it's often, like I say, because of psychological distress and what we know underlies a lot of psychological distress is often a secret which means that the very things that people bring so many people to the therapy space could have been a secret for many years And it's just gone around in in the person's mind, in our minds. It's been boxed away, an untold story. And I've worked with people who've even forgotten parts of their story before coming to therapy which says a lot about how effective we can be at hiding things away even in our own minds. So why is this a problem? Not saying what we need to in therapy can mean that you won't get the best out of your therapy experience and therapy is an investment in you, your lifestyle, your future and your mental health and if we get it right it can be really life-changing. So often a real game changer for people but it's not easy to say the things that go round in our minds we can worry about feeling embarrassed or judged about our inner thoughts and our, our inner worlds there's a saying in the therapy world that when we shine a light on shame shame dies and i really feel that we can this can be broadened out to lots of things that go round in our minds that we find difficult or complicated or that we struggle with that actually when we say them out loud They just don't hold the same power as they do when they're in their minds and that's one of the ways that therapy can be such a powerful kind of change for people is that we actually get the stuff that goes around in our minds out on the table. We share it with another human mind who is non-judgmental, compassionate and caring. And it just can't hold its power in the same way anymore. So saying things out loud is very healing and very powerful. But it's not easy. In fact, it's really tough which is why many people avoid therapy and any inner reflection work at all. We are programmed to avoid the tough stuff and try and kind of live these Instagrammable lives. And it's, you know, it's more comfortable sometimes to block away what causes us pain and difficulty. The impact can be holding on to difficulties, tough emotions or trauma that just doesn't get processed, so it ends up a bit blocked and it can continue to have power on your day-to-day experiences and and how you live your life day-to-day. We all have different levels of what we feel comfortable sharing, um, generally with friends and family and in the therapy room as well, and it takes time when you first start having therapy to build up trust with your therapist, to get to know your therapist, feel comfortable with them, and that you need to have a sense that they will hold what you say without judgment, that they will be respectful and they will treat what you say with compassion as well. It's really interesting that one of the predictors of successful therapy outcomes is nothing to do with the, the qualifications of the therapist or how many ta- different therapies they're trained in or the techniques or the strategies that they're using. The biggest predictor of successful therapeutic outcome is around how safe and comfortable you feel with your therapist. So your therapeutic alliance or just your relationship with your therapist. You have to have a real sense that the person sat in front of you as your therapist can help you and that you trust them. And if you have that, you're going to have a much better experience of therapy generally. So what are the blocks to saying the tough stuff in therapy? Sometimes we don't feel like we deserve to be struggling in the way we are. So I hear this an awful lot, that there is so much, especially at the moment with COVID and what we're seeing in the world, that people feel that because they might be well and healthy, they've got food and they're warm and they you know they've still got employment, that they just don't deserve to be struggling. But there's a huge problem with this if we don't feel like we deserve because you kind of get into, well, who does deserve? If you went down this path, there'd only ever be one person that deserved that was having the hardest time ever in the world. And actually, do we want to live in a world where some people deserve care and compassion and to have support and others don't? We all deserve to have support. We all struggle. And who are we to judge if we deserve to struggle or not? If it feels difficult for you, it's difficult. And that is no matter what your circumstances are. We all struggle at times, no matter where we are in our lives. Another block, is that we avoid the tough stuff. Like I mentioned before, it's human nature. But it can mean that we don't work through tough stuff and process the things that trouble us. Sometimes in therapy, we just take a course, we take a path or a focus, and it's nobody's fault. But we can end up discussing the things that we don't need to be discussing or, you know, that take us off track. Sometimes there's something called therapy drift which should be managed by the therapist and this means that therapy goes off track and because we're programmed for avoidance and to not go to the difficult areas of our minds we do, even the therapist sometimes might know that there's something you should be saying a little bit more about but avoidance is a huge block in the therapy room. It's really common, but if we are aware of it and we have it in our mind that this is likely to be happening, then you can catch it a bit more. Another block is that if you start off therapy by just not being open or, and as honest or just showing a certain side of yourself, then it can be difficult to suddenly be different. And we do this in all different relationships. You know, we start off with somebody in a certain kind of personality trait or you know sometimes I find it a, a good way of explaining it is when I work with somebody that has a lot of humor so they'll come to the therapy room and I will find them incredibly funny and we start off on a very jokey funny foot and that's great but um I mean I suppose I've worked with it a lot so I'm quite mindful of it now and I can kind of go we need to work underneath this humour this is great but we need to be you know working with the tough stuff as well humour is a a really good tactic that we all use for avoidance I definitely use it at times but if we start off with our therapist quite joking stuff it can be then difficult to switch and be you know show a, a different side of us but we are multiples we are lots of contradictory different parts of you know We're complicated. That's where I'm trying to get to with this. We are complicated, you know. So, and the therapy room is a safe space. You should be able to show all the different sides of you. And it's just being clear that it's really important that you get what you need out of sessions. And this is what the therapist will want for you as well. To be open, honest and as authentic as you can be. And this will give sessions the best chance of being really helpful and if this is a struggle, don't beat yourself up. It might just not be the right time for you as well. So sometimes I do have people that come to therapy, they have a few sessions and it's just not the right time. But I always think in that situation that, you know, I think it's such a brave thing to come through the therapy door as it is, that even if you come for a few sessions, the next time you go to therapy, maybe a year, five years down the line, it will just be that bit easier. So sometimes you don't get where you want to be in that therapeutic encounter, but later on you will be as well. Another, I suppose, tactic really for overcoming avoidance in therapy is that If you go to see a therapist and you're really struggling to say what's needed, that you name it and that you just say, I'm really struggling to say what I need to be saying. And then the therapist can be aware and can prod a little bit and it can be explored further. If I'm working with somebody that's really struggling to say what they need to To say in in sessions, I will tread carefully if I get that message from somebody that says, look, I'm just struggling to tell you what I need to be saying, that I will kind of try and push them a little bit and then step back and then push them. So it's done in a graded way. For many years I've worked with so many different people from all walks of life and this has really helped me see that we have so much more in common than what we realise. We have really tricky brains that are complicated, we struggle with a complex set of emotions and motivations, needs and desires, we are a very competitive species that's all about survival and noticing threats and this means our minds are quite crazy in the way they organise our thoughts and our motivations and our behaviours and this can sometimes make us feel like we are really different from each other and that what is going on for us is unique and shameful and it's not uncommon for people to say to me in therapy i feel different like everybody else has got it together and is doing okay and i'm struggling so in this situation developing a sense of common humanity is very useful which just means building up a sense of how similar we all are that we all struggle there's no one like a therapist to help you feel that it's not just you because we sit with the minds of others day in day out so we have a real sense of common humanity we know that actually all our minds are exactly the same every time I see somebody come in to the therapy room for the first time I kind of they just look all so together and then you hear and that's because we, we put on a social mask so we walk around looking as though everything's fine and that's because we want to be accepted and included you know if, if I was feeling fed up and walked around like I'd had my face slapped which sometimes to be honest I do but I try to minimize it then I wouldn't be included and accepted by many people people would get fed up of me so and it's very important for our survival that we are included in our communities so we d- have developed social mask and while that has some benefits it's the downside is that it can generate a sense of everybody's got it together apart from me. You know, another good example of this is that um, a third of people we know in supermarkets are really struggling with anxiety because for lots of people, being in the supermarket is very anxiety-provoking. But how often have you seen somebody struggling with anxiety in the supermarket? We don't because we look around and everybody just looks fine. We are all struggling at times, and we all have our own stories, and that's really something that you can work with 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 Your therapist. Another area that can help uncover blocks to saying what you need to is that if you regularly reflect on the therapy you're having, thinking about what you most want to get out of it, what are the things that are really important for you to talk about, and where you want to be at the end of sessions, maybe make a list before you even get to the therapy door and you can hand this list to your therapist. So sometimes if you can't say it, you can write it down and hand it to your therapist, and that's what some people do if they find it too difficult to say but you know that's something you can do at the start of therapy or during therapy as well it's really good I recommend that um, people use a therapy journal a therapy journal is a place where you can make notes before and after each therapy session and it just keeps you on track make sure that you're on the right path and it reduces therapy drift as well and it can really help you remember what you talk about in sessions so that you get the most out of each therapy session as well I think another important Important thing that comes up is that sometimes people find it hard to be allow themselves to be cared for. So giving yourself permission to be cared for and listened to is hugely important as well, and that can help you kind of address the tough stuff. I've had to think about the ways in which therapists can keep therapy online, and that is to check in regularly with your client. Ask them, are they talking about the right issues? Having really clear therapy goals that are reviewed regularly so you know that where you want to be heading in the therapy sessions. Spotting when things don't fit. When people are not open or they are not telling the whole story, you really get a sense of things just don't fit together. And often these are the cases that you'll take to clinical supervision because you'll feel like you're not getting the whole picture. And sometimes that's because people are struggling to tell you. So being sensitive to when things and stories are not fitting together, because when people are being really, really open, stories make a lot of sense. Having good clinical supervision is hugely important so for therapists that's getting together with your supervisor on at least a monthly basis and just talking through clinical cases and this can also highlight where there's areas of, of avoidance you know sometimes I work with some of my supervisees that are going through a difficult time or maybe a member of their family is ill and then they get a client with the same illness and it and understandably there's level of avoidance there because it's tough for the therapist as well. So clinical supervision means that you talk through these areas of avoidance and you manage them well. Making sure that you ask your client, is there a question you don't want me to ask? Am I asking the right questions? Is there anything else we could be discussing that would be helpful? And asking regularly for feedback as well. Also, if you suspect that somebody isn't telling you everything, When you name it and just say, I get the sense that you're not telling me everything, what you find is that people really open up then. When you name it, you put it out in the room, then it's really giving somebody the opportunity and permission to kind of say, or even to just start to give you clues that, yeah, they might not be saying everything they need to be. So I hope you found this really helpful and interesting, and it's made you consider the things that you don't say in therapy sessions or maybe in life generally. Maybe there's things that you are avoiding saying to people that you love or you care about or that you might have a best friend or somebody you care about and you get the sense that they're not saying stuff to you as well because it doesn't just have to be in the therapy room it can be in life generally that the more open we are the more we kind of share what goes on in our minds. We process distress. And we do know that when we talk about things, it reduces cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So it's very therapeutic to be open, authentic, and to share our stories. And remember, we all have a chapter that we don't like people to read, every single one of us. We are all doing our best to get through this thing called life. So I hope you found that useful. I hope that makes you think about avoidance of what we're not saying, what others are not saying and I'd love to hear any ideas you have of future episodes or podcast guests that I could have on and I will be back next month these episodes come out once a month the first Monday of each month so we will be back in August I'm not sure if that's going to be another solo episode or a guest as yet I've got a couple of guests that I'm just lining up and getting questions ready for and I'm really excited to have them on so I shall be back next month bye